Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. Today's episode is brought to you by obscured the pursuit of radical self-acceptance. My second book. Go check it out at obscuredbook.com for more. You can pick up a copy of Obscured, Safety Sucks. You can tune into the new latest and greatest podcast that we have. Really, I guess I'll say effing, effing scary stories. Really effing scary stories. All over at Pale Horse Media Co. Head over to palehorsemediaco.com. That's P-A-L-E horsemediaco.com for publishing, indie books, podcasts, and more. Hello! Howdy. Hi, everybody. Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. How are you doing today? I hope that you're doing absolutely splendid wherever you find yourself. You know, I never get to say this. I could say this. That's the problem. And it just hit me that I should say this. How was your weekend? For me, when this is coming out, it's a Monday. How was your weekend? I hope it was great. I don't know what you do on your weekends. I try to at least take a chunk of time to unwind. I know you're 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 sitting there going, yeah, whatever, right? <laughs> Cuz I'm always on the go. Um I usually should I usually wind up here in the studio um while I'm recording this I'm just being, it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday while I'm recording this, so I usually end up here hanging out for a little bit. Um, but I do take some time to unwind. I'll go take the uh, take the uh, bicycle. I was going to say bike. It's it's not like a room room bike. It's like a like a uh, chain driven bicycle. <laughs> I'll take the bike for a ride. <laughs> I'll uh, you guys seen some of my posts before? I'll drink coffee and I'll clean things. <laughs> That's usually how my uh, how my weekends go. Um, but. No matter what you do to unwind and enjoy your weekend, I just I just hope that you did do those things and you did enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Let me say that. So we're diving in today. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm about, I'm about to forget. Head over to the Hop Nerd website. Go to www.thehopnerd.com. I hope that was the right amount of Ws. Um, and follow along on all things social media. Let me say this. Head over. Give us a review. That helps us a ton. 
Um, if you head over to iTunes, give us a review on on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you like the book, Safety Sucks, head over to Amazon or any of the books. If you like the books, head over and give us a review uh, on Amazon. That helps us an absolute ton as well. Way more than you could ever imagine. Uh, all the likes, all the shares, all the love that you show us, all those reviews, that stuff helps us to continue to bring you this message on a regular basis and hopefully with some quality and cool guests and all that stuff that uh that that i know that you appreciate from the pod um so with that being said let's jump right in and today we're continuing the safety sucks miniseries and what i wanted to do today is i wanted to bring you um some chunks from the book safety sucks so let's jump right into a bit of the audiobook right here. An unfortunate truth about this profession, one that you need to understand, is that your reporting structure will always be murky. There are only a few safety gigs out there that have a clean reporting scheme. Most are pretty wonky. It is rare, unicorn rare, if you find yourself in a true safety department. Finding a department with real teammates, a real manager, all based at the same location, is practically unheard of in this profession. Most of us find ourselves assigned to sites or locations that are far removed from other safety professionals or safety leaders. We are usually it. We are often a lone wolf, a safety department of one. Sure, you will have a direct safety manager. They are kind of sort of your manager. They usually handle normal managerial things like signing timesheets and keeping up with your required training, but that's typically where things end. Often, they are based out of some corporate office far, far away. You will rarely, if ever, have daily or weekly contact with them. The manager will typically only get involved with you when they are required to. Your phone will ring only to hear about go-dos, complaints, or problems. Your manager is usually more of a mediator than a manager, patching up problems between you and the leadership of the location in which you find yourself. On top of that, you will likely have dotted line reporting to a few other leaders. You will report to a location or site manager, an operations manager, and sometimes more. In the worst of the worst organizations, safety professionals will report into human resources. How stupid is that? What is the best part of all this wackiness? They will constantly fight over who you really work for. They will all think that they are your boss. They will yell and scream about who gets to decide what you do, where you go, what hours you work, and everything else. Sounds like an absolute blast, right? But wait, there's more. In addition to your solid line reporting and your dotted line reporting, everyone else will think that they are your boss too. Oh, and if you do not agree with them and take their orders, that means you don't care. So that was one that really surprised me when I came over into the profession. So I'm, I'm back out of the audiobook, if you can't tell. This is this is me live. That was old me back when I recorded the audiobook. <laughs> so it really surprised me. It really it it, it did. It it it, uh, it it shocked me quite a bit. Um, the amount of folks that I actually reported to, the folks that I kind of sort of reported to, and then the folks that 
thought that I reported to them. It was it was a really interesting dynamic because I came up through this more traditional means, right? Um, I came through the fire service. I, I grew up working uh, nuclear outage in the trades, um, and I was used to just having a boss, right? I was used to just having a person that I worked for. Um, I came from that that really clearly defined role in the fire service as an example, right? There was a very clearly defined chain of command. And I found myself in the safety profession going, wait, 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 what? Okay, but you're my manager. So then why can't you just approve my PTO request? So no, I got to get like, there's four other people that there's not even room for their signatures on this form. Oh, so no one else has to do that, but we do? Wait, wait, right? So... (laughs) I think that's what was really wacky to me. And it it, it really does kind of get into this thing where safety is, is held to a different standard, right? The professional safety person is held to a different standard than other folks in the organization. And I use that form example. That's a real example uh, where it's going, well, but the PTO request doesn't require all the signatures. It just requires you. Well, yeah, but if, you know, if, if, uh, if your manager doesn't, uh, if the, the location manager doesn't sign, the office manager doesn't sign it, and then then this other three other people, if they don't sign it, then everybody's going to say they didn't know, and then it's going to be a big thing, and we're all going to get in trouble. Yeah, but you don't report to them either, do you? Well, no, but kind of. <laughs> right? So as practitioners, a lot of times it seems that we find ourselves in these roles to where you kind of close your eyes and you imagine that, uh, don't do that if you're driving. I always have to throw in that... Uh, my traditional safety plug. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you envision, you envision your kind of spot there, right? This little circle that says safety pro on the piece of paper. And instead of having like a little line that goes up to a manager, you have like 47 freaking lines that come out of, they go to every fucking person in the organization. Excuse my language, but it is, it's dumb, right? Um, it creates this really, really, really murky, this really, really unclear um, reporting expectation. Uh, there's really no clear defined chain of command because we're too busy trying to make this safety professional report to every freaking person in the org. Right? We're trying to make them report to absolutely everyone. And let's just say this, that however you approach reporting, there's, there, there should be a clear and glaring need for an agreed-upon reporting structure for the safety function, right? This kind of murky, ever-changing crap that safety reports to everyone, it never works. It only leads to headache and strife for the organization, for the practitioner, um, right? Imagine any other role being told, well, look, and I just use PTO as an example because it's just a really funny example, Um, but just imagine any other role in the organization being told, yeah, you have PTO, but you have to get it approved by 14 people before you can use it. Yeah, it's just how it works here. It's just how it works for safety people. You work for everyone here. What are we going to do if you're gone? People will just die. <laughs> That's how it's kind of approached. right? So back to the point. However you approach this, um, this kind of like multiple reporting points for a single person leads to just nothing good. There's power struggles. It's just not good. Confusion abounds, right? The, the practitioner, the employer, they're both left going, I don't know who reports to who, right? It's just not good. 
And let's jump into a little bit of a story about that. A funny tale about fighting over who controls you as a safety professional. I was working as a regional safety manager for a large maintenance and construction contractor in the Southwest. It was a pretty good company. Mostly great people just trying to GSD. Get shit done for those of you that have not been in the field. The leadership team was a completely different story. You see, the organization had experienced some leadership struggles over the past year. They had exchanged the top two leaders, the regional director and manager to be exact, with new and much worse leaders. Sounds like the normative corporate response to something, huh? I remember my first introduction to the new regional director well. I walked in and greeted the gentleman. How are you today, sir? Welcome to our group. It is a pleasure to meet you. He responded quickly and in a very demeaning tone. So you're the safety guy, huh? I never met one of those that I've liked, and you won't be the first. Talk about an impression. The new regional manager was pretty lackluster as well, primarily acting as the henchman for the regional director. They were quite the pair. They drove that office into the ground. Seriously, the branch closed within a year of their takeover. They, they forced great employees to flee and ruined relationships with prized clients. The saying rings true. People don't leave bad jobs. They leave bad bosses. But that is not the story for today. My story begins here. The branch in which I was located was going to be presented several awards at an upcoming get-together. This event was a big deal within the company. It was massive. Massive both in size and importance. It was the organization's annual Summit of Excellence. Pretty impressive, right? They had mixers, famous speakers and personalities. They offered exclusive training sessions and seminars. And to top off this week-long extravaganza, they held a huge black tie awards ceremony. Those that were selected to go got plenty of FaceTime with higher-ups in the company, getting to rub elbows with executives and senior leaders. On a related side note, everything, and I mean everything, has some political element to it. As bullshit as it is in most cases, politics matter. They especially matter when you are fighting for positive change in a broken system while reporting to five different people. Politics influence these wonky reporting structures that we're talking about. You need to understand the politics, understand the political landscape in which you find yourself, work through them, work around them, and never let politics prevent you from doing the right things. But back to the story at hand. My work in the branch had been noticed from up on high. The senior director of EH&S had personally requested that I attend the summit and accept certain safety-related awards on behalf of the facilities I represented. Safety rewards are bullshit too, but that's another book entirely. I was excited by the opportunity to finally meet some of my peers in the company and to hobnob with the big dogs. Who wouldn't be? I was in a remote location, far, far, and I mean far away. I was still pretty unknown outside of our little branch, so I felt very lucky to be invited and fortunate to have the opportunity. I quickly began clearing my calendar, making my travel arrangements, planning things to do while there, and setting up my out-of-office note. That is where things start to go awry. I sent the team an email detailing my time out of office. It was your normal, hey, I'll be gone a week email. I went a little something like this. Team, 
I will be out of office attending the Summit of Excellence. You can reach me via email or phone. I will be checking both periodically, so do not hesitate to reach out. Have a great week. Not too shabby, huh? Within five minutes of pressing send, I could hear heavy and fast footsteps coming down the hall. You could almost feel the low muffled steps through the carpeted floors. It did not hit me yet what was coming for me. The regional director stormed into my office. He started yelling before he made it through the door. What in God's good name do you think you're doing? I was shocked, but attempted to formulate a reply. What do you mean, sir? The summit of excellence. You're not going to that shit, he continued. If I can do without a safety person around here for a week, I do not need one at all. I was getting pretty angry at this point. I found my breaking point with these guys. I did not tell you that in the months leading up to this interaction, these gentlemen had cut our safety funding to the bone. This had resulted in layoffs of multiple safety positions and left a few remaining in the department, myself included, running ragged. I said, listen and listen well. The senior director of EHS invited me, and I'm going. If you have a problem with that, take it up with him. He quickly snapped back. Oh, I will, and I'll have your paycheck for this. You will either be fired or I'll quit. He stormed out, and the regional manager entered. His henchman had arrived. I was standing between my desk and the door as he rushed me while saying in a stern voice, What is this? Who the hell do you think you are? You're not going to this thing. We have already decided that. I decided that it was time to respond to asshole by being a bigger asshole. I looked the man square in the eyes and said, Fuck off. It's not your call. He looked shocked and bewildered. I continued, I do not know who the hell you think you are. We are both managers. You are not the boss in this situation. Hell, even with the regional director, it's not his call. So neither of you have the right or backing to decide where I can or cannot go. So we are back to my first response. Fuck off. He drew closer. He was angry and turning red. He poked me in the chest saying, That is it. You're done here, buddy. My response is probably what you would expect. It was what most would do if an angry man were poking you in the chest. I calmly said, if you ever do that again, I'll break your goddamn finger off. Probably not the wisest choice of words, but well warranted either way. And lucky for him, I did not actually break it off. This is the kind of bullshit that happens when we insist that safety professionals or anyone else for that matter report to five different people. Mercury reporting appeases those leaders that desire control, but it does not do us any favors. It is detrimental to working relationships and simply results in confusion and arguments. The story ends on a much brighter note. I will give away some of the ending now for those that are wondering. I went to the Summit of Excellence. I met some amazing people, and I had a great time. For the remainder of our colorful cast of players, they were not as lucky. After our altercation, the regional manager promptly reported my threat of physical harm to human resources, certain that it would get me fired, who instantly launched an inquiry, rightfully so, into the issue. After detailing what had occurred to human resources, they were baffled. Wait, he put his hands on you? I replied, well, yeah, he was in my face poking me in the chest. The HR specialist then responded, wow, you really should have ripped his goddamn finger off. We're done here. He was transferred and demoted before the end of the day.
The last I heard, he was acting as a personal assistant to a low-level manager at a location somewhere back east. The regional director did a little better. Although he did not keep his promise and quit, he was forced into an early retirement a few months later, and no one has really heard from him since. I stuck around for a while. Sinking ships are not a good place to hang around for long. I left for a competitor just before the office closed. So first and foremost, I want to say that I am surprised by how many folks share similar stories uh, around this and pretty much everything else that we would classify as a suck of the safety profession. Many of us have very similar tales to tell. And something like this, where we, where you know, you're trying to, um, you're given direction to go do something. You're given an invite to go to, to go to an event such as this um, by someone in your direct reporting chain, your boss, uh, and then other manager level folks think that they have the right to step in and say, "You will not. I am the ultimate authority, and if you do, it'll be your ass, basically, right?" And I also want to say this is that in most situations, um, this is not how it, how it usually plays out, right? So um, I think it's safe to say that I, I'm a strong personality, right? So I'll, I'll just start there. Uh, and that's just a, that's one little tidbit of it. Um, but I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm bulldogish when it comes to stuff like that. I, anything, I've been like that since I really found myself in the profession. I just don't back down on things. Um, and some professionals are not in a position to be as bulldogish, right? Some, some folks are not in a position to challenge or to speak truth to power or to kind of dig their heels and be like, nah, right. And that varies, right. That varies a little bit. Um, in this particular situation, I have to say that I, I have, uh, I had an amazing, an amazing director above me. Um, basically a director who later became a vice president of environment, health and safety. Um, just an amazing person that was like, no, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> and, and just jumped in and was just had my back right out of the gate and was like, I invited you, you're gone. They'll fire me before they fire you. Right. That, that kind of, that kind of director. Um, so I just think it's important to note that, that, it doesn't always play out like that. And a lot of times, a lot of the stories, um, you find practitioners that if they would have dug their heels in, in that position and maybe not had um, the best level support in their chain, um, they would have just been termed, right? They'd be like, well, we'll see you later. Yeah, of course. We're going to stick with whatever that, uh, that, that, that ops director says because they're the moneymakers. Bye, right? And <laughs> how awful, right? How awful. So I think the story is just another really good example as to why there should be a clear reporting structure. Um, this whole notion that safety reports to freaking everyone in the organization is dumb. And I, I know I've said that a few times. I just really want that to, to sink in. Um, if there's an ops person out there listening right now, if there's a, uh, if there's any of my VP buddies or folks out there that are running organizations, do not, do not structure your organization like this. Please, for the love of God, don't do this. Please. Let me, let me jump back in the book just to give you a little bit more of why. <laughs> 
There are a couple of key points that I want to pull out of this story. A, this safety reports to everyone style of reporting is ineffective and harmful. It leads to confusion for those down the line and leads to pissing contests between leaders. It is bullshit and it must go. B, having good leaders above you can mean everything to your success or failure. In this situation and many others, having amazing and strong leaders in my chain of command made all the difference in the world. Having an amazing director, one that was willing to have my back, was my only saving grace. Good leaders are a great thing, but we should not have to rely on them as the only line of defense to keep this from happening. And that's where I want to go, I think. Um, We should not have to rely on having amazing, absolutely stunning leaders above us to make sure that we're successful. Um, I I don't want to get prescriptive here. I I don't want to say there is this one type of reporting structure, and if you send me $9.95, I'll tell you what it is. If there was one, I think probably selling it for $9.95 would probably be a a steal, Um, but there's not one, right? There's, There's not one perfect reporting structure for a safety practitioner. There is probably a bazillion, and that's an official term, there's a bazillion different ways that you can fit a safety practitioner into an organization effectively. But I think it's got to be specific and right for the practitioner and, and right for the organization. So I'm getting back to the tougher part, the harder part, which is that maybe you need to have a conversation within your organization about how that truly fits, not between HR and and the directors, um, but maybe involving the practitioners themselves might be a pretty good idea. Maybe, maybe the folks to tell you, um, how to place a practitioner in an organization might be the practitioners themselves. I don't know. Call me old fashioned. I don't know. I think we should just learn from those that do. Um, that includes safety folks too, right? Uh, again, I think it's just there's a few things that we uh, probably need to consider, though. At least a few key points, I think. Any way you slice this safety reporting thing, I think there's a few things that we probably need to consider. Number one is we need to focus on keeping the role impactful, right? That's that, that should be at the forefront of just about anything that we discuss around the role of practitioner. How do we create the most impactful role? Um, this notion of simple and clean is important because simple and clean beats intricate every day of the week. Keep things easy to understand. Don't insert all those different points. Avoid all those dotted line relationships. It's dumb. These multi-point reporting schemes, schemes, there we go, reporting schemes, it just creates confusion, ambiguity. It just just never works well. It gets into those, uh, those, pissing contests, as as the book says, right, Um, between leaders of going, no, you're not in charge of that person. I'm in charge. No, no, I'm in charge. No, you're not. I'm in charge of that person. I get to tell them whether they can go. No, 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 no. I direct them. No, no, you don't. And so if you've been around this profession for more than a minute, you've been caught in one of those those email chains or worse, um, literally caught in between two people in a conference room arguing over who gets to be your boss, right? So you want to avoid that. Build the position into the organization to where that's just not there. Um, one piece that I think is really important is this. Is consider the practitioner's ability to challenge authority and speak truth to power. 
dramatic pause. Think about where you put them, who they report to. Think about who signs their paychecks. Think about who gets to uh, approve or deny their time off requests. Think about who gets to um, approve or deny their expense reports. Um, and I say those particular things because I hear stories and have experienced in to some degree um, where when you're reporting to maybe folks that don't enjoy the fact that you might challenge a little bit, they're very quick to go, well, what's this expense? Where no, 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 disapprove. That needs to come out of your pocket. No, 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 no. You're not getting a vacation. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's this, um, it's retaliation, right? It, it truly is. It's kind of this unspoken, uh, indirect form of retaliation that you have to consider, right? Because you, if you, you want a practitioner in a position in which they can absolutely, absolutely speak truth to power. So those are just, that's kind of a, like a short list of things that I would tell you to consider. But I want to go back to that point that I can't just give you some reporting instructions and say, there you go, that works. There's not going to be one size fits all, you know, for any organization. But just really think out how the practitioner fits within your organization. Start that conversation. Have a meaningful conversation between the organization and the safety practitioner or practitioners or safety department. And create a workable reporting structure. Create something custom for the organization. Try on a couple different things. Micro experiment, right? You don't have to just settle on something. Try out a couple different schemes and see what works best. But do it thoughtfully think about what well, first going back to even what the what the organization wants from the practitioner right think about placing the practitioner in that most impactful place how are we going to create the most impactful role how are we going to get the most bang for our buck and have that conversation doing so will only help the organization doing so will only help the practitioner it's going to eliminate confusion or at least reduce it a bunch Right, and ensure that the practitioner is in the best spot to have the most amount of positive impact on the organization. Okay, let's let's dive back into the book and wrap this thing up a little bit. Murky and confusing reporting structures cause harm within organizations. We would never dilute the chain of command for other professions or functions. Do companies require that an operations manager report to three different directors and two other managers? Nope. Do companies require that a maintenance manager record, report to a site manager, a corporate maintenance manager, to an HR manager, and a director? That is a big, fat no. So why then, when we add the magical word safety in there, does all that change? The safety profession deserves the same clean and clear reporting structure that other functions receive. We need the same clarity in our chain of command. There are a multitude of different ways to solve this problem. Way more than we have covered here. But I will challenge you with this. If your organization employs safety professionals or support staff of any kind, really, take a look at the structure. Is it working? Is it really working? We need to take some time to step back and look. We need to take a fresh and meaningful look at how safety as a profession fits within our organizations. It is the right thing to do for both the safety practitioners and the companies in which they work. The potential betterment that could be brought about for our profession could help other professions as well, those that find themselves in similar reporting situations, such as environmental professionals and human performance professionals. The structure and leadership of safety practitioners plays a big role into how successful they are 
and into an organization's ability to retain quality practitioners and cultivate effective safety leaders. And that's what I would say to our uh, folks out there that are listening that are not safety practitioners. Um, There's a ton of leaders, right? I have a ton of leaders that tune in. And put yourself in the practitioner's shoes, right? As a manager, as a leader in your organization of whatever department you're a leader of, um, what if you reported to like eight different people? What if everyone thought that, uh, that, that they were your boss? <laughs> and then when you challenged or questioned that, you would get the, well, you don't care about safety at all, do you? Terrible safety person. Get out of here. Fired. That's kind of what safety practitioners deal with. Kind of, sort of, really, really close. <laughs> right? So um, let, let me say that as we start to kind of wrap up here. Think about that. When you're going through this exercise of how does a safety practitioner report, how do they fit within the organization, what's the definition of the role of the safety practitioner, go back to that episode with Ian Allison where we dove down that rabbit hole quite a bit. And at the end of the day, as we kind of mentioned, clearing up all that confusion is a question of, to me, it's a question of impact, right? We're, we're, we're trying to create the most impactful role for the practitioner that we possibly can, which only helps the organization and the practitioner. But it's also down this kind of rabbit hole of finding, hiring, and retaining quality practitioners because what's going to happen is good practitioners will not stay in that mess for very long. It, it's, we, we just won't. Um, my safety fam out there, you know, right? You know, uh, you will stay in that for as long as you have to stay in that. And then you will, you will spread your wings and you will fly to the next employer. And we will continue to spread our wings and fly until we finally find an organization that's not like that. And that's just kind of what happens. So if you want to keep your amazing quality safety pros, don't have them report to a hundred different people. That's that's one. There's a there's a hundred other things we can talk about, and we will. <laughs> I promise you, we will. But that's one of them. You need clear, easy to understand reporting that creates the most impactful role or supports. Let me say that supports the most impactful role of the or for for. There we go. I'll get these right for the practitioner. There we go. Unscripted. Hashtag unscripted around these parts and no reduce. <laughs> I'll do a couple of reduce, but that one, that one wasn't, wasn't bad enough. So there you go. You're going to get that one raw. How about that? Well, what do you think? What do you think? Do you like how this one went? Do you like it? Uh, putting in the little excerpts from the book? Because I'm, I'm asking because I plan on doing it some more. Probably like... Uh, like five or six more times, maybe. I don't know. A few, more than a few. So if you don't like this, you should tell me now, right? <laughs> if you do like this, you should tell me now too. You can send me an email, email sam at thehopnerd.com or thehopnerd.gmail.com. You can head over to www.thehopnerd.com. You can leave me a little submission there. Head over to hopuniversity.org for all kinds of on demand human and organization performance training, all that kind of sort of stuff. That's where our main shop is housed as well. So um, you can click on shop on any of our websites. You can go to sugoodman.com, www.thehopnerd.com, palehorsemedia.co, or obviously hopuniversity.org. We've got some amazing, cool stuff. So I'm rocking these new hats, the Make Things Better hats. And I got to say, I absolutely 
Love them. I love them. They're they're kind of like that mixture between like uh, like a snapback trucker hat, kind of fitted hat almost, where it's kind of the sweet spot in between. So I just like the hat in general. Um, super super good. And I'll just I've got a fat head, so let me <laughs> let me say that. So they fit everyone from small head all the way to fat heads like mine. So I got a big old fat head. So I think my my hat size is like seven and three quarters. It's something massive, right? So they fit well. <laughs> I guess that's where I'm going. But the colors of them, the the just the really simple, clean, make things better kind of mission logo. I just love that. We've got some other stuff over there as well. We've got all the merch from all the other podcasts. All that stuff is going into one central logo. Location. So if you just click shop, you can find it. Um, again, all those little things like that. If you pick up a hat, you pick up a shirt. Um, you head over, you pick up the books, head over to Amazon, pick up a copy of the books. That stuff helps us uh, keep bringing you this podcast and everything else that we try to bring you a value to the community. So um, do me a favor, like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. Leave us a review. Again, even, even something as simple as heading over and giving us a review on iTunes helps us an absolute ton absolutely uh, an amazing amount that is all that i've got thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart for continuing to tune in it just blows my mind that we're over 100 episodes every time i go to type that in we're slowly inching towards uh, doubling that making that 200 and it's all because of you you know i joke around and i say i do this all for me um, but getting to have these conversations with you, it makes my day. It makes my week. It, it really does. Getting to communicate with each and every one of you, the community that we've started to build around this whole notion of doing safety better, this whole notion of making uh, the practice, the professional practice of safety, the profession of safety better. Oh, oh my gosh. You all are my absolute heroes. So thank you once again. That's all I've got. It's Sam Goodman, the Hot Nerd, signing off. <gasps> bye, everybody. Bye.